Hey everybody and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and that makes this a special bonus episode of the Cloud Control Gaming Podcast. Um, of course, today is not necessarily about a game because we're here to review The Last of Us, specifically HBO's episode two of The Last of Us TV show, um, on this special little bonus feed that we have on our channel here uh, where we want to talk all about the show because, man, it's so good so far. Episode one was great. Uh, you can check out a review of that on the episode, I guess, before that on the playlist. We'll figure it all out. But we're here today to talk about episode two. Kate, how are you feeling? Because, man, this show, we're only two episodes in, but it has been an emotional roller coaster, to say the least. Absolutely. Uh, I am, for, for anyone listening, I'm keeping score of the episodes that I cry in and the episodes I managed to make it through the through the whole thing. Um, so we are now a one for one. <laughs> I've tied it up after uh, failing the week prior. I'm going down a point to HBO's The Last of Us. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, anyway, we're just going to be here talking about our thoughts on the episode. It's pretty informal. We don't really have too much of a structure here. If you want to hear our regular show, you can check it out every Tuesday where we talk about games and all different things in the game industry. But this, of course, is just going to be The Last of Us today. So nothing else to talk about. Um, but yeah, let's start off, I guess. I mean, this show, I just to bring it up, we start off this one in, is in Jakarta, right? And I think that opening scene, similar to in the first episode when they open with that, um, the scientist giving the speech in front of that panel, I think this episode has a really nice reflection of that. And I loved the scene where they bring, I forget her name, um, she brings, she's like the mycology expert that they bring on in the Jakarta government, I think. And they, they get her basically to come in and assess these spores with the outbreak going on there and the, her reaction to them is just tells you all you need to know you know she's just so like freaked out by the information and basically says oh there's no hope and I just I think that's such a great tone setter um, for the way this one opens up. Absolutely and I, I think an important thing to note too is like this was 2003 and this is set three days before the um, like initial scene in in the first episode. So it took three days for this outbreak in Jakarta to end up impacting um, Joel mm -hmm. in Texas. So now, did we three know? Days. Did we know if it originated in Jakarta or was it just happening simultaneously in a bunch of different spots? And then I, this is just like the Jakarta experience in parallel. I wasn't sure about yeah, that. Yeah, I guess it's like not a hundred percent sure, but I think they are implying that this is like the onset of the outbreak and it's in that flower mm -hmm. uh that flower mm -hmm. plant so that kind of ties into with like a lot of the references in the first one is like oh joel um missed like he didn't get his pancake mix and then he didn't end up getting a birthday cake and um the i think it's the adler is his other name the neighbors mm -hmm. next door were making cookies and then um sarah was like oh I, I don't like raisins i'm not gonna eat any and so he seems to dodge a lot of like wheat-based foods in episode one, which maybe is an explanation as to why they didn't get infected and so many other people did. That's right. Or at least it's like, you know, just some cute references. Well, and, so. and gluten-free wasn't as popular back in 2003 as it is now. So it's the likelihood of him doing that diet and avoiding it is like, that's not the reason. It just happened to be very serendipitous, I guess, that they yeah, didn't exactly. eat anything flour-based. <laughs> exactly. And if it's going to spread that quickly on a global scale, like, you know, because it starts in Jakarta and it's just spread exclusively on people running about and biting each other it's going to take quite a while to make it to america mm -hmm. um but this took place in the span of three days so um obviously we're looking at like imports and stuff here it makes sense and it's just kind of a 
interesting little tidbit of of um how everything started which we talked about on the about the first episode where we're getting a lot of backstory that isn't necessarily explicit in the games. I don't think they go, at least the first one doesn't go into tons of detail about how everything started. It's just important that we're in this situation and what happens to these characters. But I do like the it being a bit fleshed out here where we're sort of getting a bit more of like a bigger picture. Yeah, and I think it helps to to build on the lore that the show is building a little bit more as well, just because they are changing it from the spores to the the fungus. So I think a little bit more explanation into how exactly that works and whatnot is very insightful. I know like if we want to expand on that thought just a little bit more later on in this episode, they do see kind of how the uh, all the infected are sort of connected by this mycological, is that a word, mycological network and, and how they're all like in, you know, they're in the sun. And then as the sun moves by, they kind of move as this unified wave in it. And it, I like the way that they're really exploring that. And it wasn't just like, oh, we can't use the spores, you know, uh, let's change it to fungus. Okay, good. Everything else is one for one. They're sort of going through and telling you the backstory and the functionality and how it's spread and how it got like this. And I just, you know, as an aside too, I don't want to get too far down into it, but like the way that they they presented this and you know the way the fungus spreads and it goes under your skin it's like this is this is the most realistic a zombie outbreak's ever been in a movie right to like actually being able to happen like this is a real fungus actually that like affects ants in real life like this is this could mm-hmm. happen it's kind of scary yeah well it's yeah because it's based off of like the cordyceps and ants which are those like famous ones right that take mm-hmm. over the ants bodies mm-hmm. and they're growing these like horrible like stalks out of them and it's like genuinely just like sci-fi crazy horror like lovecraft shit going on it is, uh, and that happens in the insect world and so um yeah it's it's definitely cool that there's a blend of obviously like this is fictional and this is not something that like humans can contract from ants because they're very specific um mm-hmm like organisms that have developed over like hundreds and thousands of years and uh you know they don't jump species but it's cool that it's like inspired by real things so there's a bit of that like fantasy like crazy over the top stuff going on but it's also like very grounded in nature which works for the show because it's obviously a very grounded show in terms of characters and like that lady i think the opening scene to go back to like the weight of it behind her when she's telling the uh police or like the, the soldier, she's like, you know, bomb it. Like you've got to bomb mm-hmm, the city. That's mm-hmm. the only way to do it. And that shocks him. And it's like such a reversal of like this scientist who would normally be the, you know, like we'll solve it, we'll make a cure kind of thing. She's the one telling the soldier that violence is the only option. And he's shocked by it. Uh, it was a really powerful opening and just kind of continues to set that tone of like, we're not pulling our punches. We're not messing around like this is an apocalypse and this is a massive problem Mm -hmm. yeah they really i mean that's really underscored and they they mentioned that again too like when she says the bombs are really the only solution it's like no like we have to eliminate this population because these people are gonna get infected we have to do it Mm -hmm. and it seems like i mean that's been the solution throughout the whole world as we see like when they're in america with joel and the the cast here we see them and they're walking through the town and he and they even said i think tess is the one that explains to ellie she's like no when this happened like we bombed the city and this is the only way that we could really you know save what population we could and it wasn't effective everywhere because i guess how could you really do that in the most efficient way like you're pretty much just dropping bombs on your own population and hoping for the best and containing it the way you can but especially too if it's in food contamination as well and it's not just being passed 
like contact transmission then like mm -hmm. yeah you're already fucked like what are you gonna do like that the if the flower is the problem and that doesn't end up being a red herring then yeah it's fucking everywhere already so yeah uh, yeah yeah it's a good point so so i mean this episode here if you can tell by the title if you click to watch this it's going to be the one about tess uh, there's obviously a lot that happens with Tess in this episode, and we can talk about that just in a second, but as far as like literally what happens, but I, I always, I got the impression here and I, we talked about it a little bit, I think after we watched, but I really like the way that they took Tess's character. And again, this is spoilers for anyone that's not played the game. We're not really going to bother spoiling uh, the game here if you've not played it. So don't worry. Or so be careful what I mean, but we all knew mm -hmm. Tess was so going to actually worry. We actually <laughs> worry. Sorry. I got ahead of myself there. Um, but we all know what's going to happen to Tess, and this is, was likely going to be the episode that was, you know, that was going to be the one. And I, I love the way that they made her a little bit more sympathetic and and whatnot in, in this show than they did in the game. Like, I never really felt like I was too attached to her. And if I was to say, is there a character in The Last of Us, the game, which I felt probably the least attached to, it would have been Tess in comparison to probably the other, most of the other characters that you run into. But in the show, I feel like they did a lot better of a job of you know, showing her how hard it's been for her to live in this world and some of the loss she's experienced and how she kind of has that, you know, love for Joel, but they can't really act upon it. And, um, you know, she's really the one in Ellie's corner when it comes to this situation that she that Ellie finds herself in and kind of springs that upon Joel at the end and kind of bestows him with her care because at the time, like he's so um, resistant to bringing her along. I think it was a nice way to give her a bit of sympathy before ultimately she has that uh, lighter incident and the, the dreaded kiss of death <laughs> towards the end. Uh, but I, I liked what they did with Tess, I guess is the summary of what I'm trying to say. And, and um, you know, it was a good performance. Uh, I don't think we'll see too much more of her after this one, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a combination of both Tess and Joel are slightly softer uh, in this show so far than they were at the beginning of the game and my assumption of that is just like the show is so much more condensed so it makes sense to start them a little bit further along the scale um, because obviously Joel is going to you know let his guard down and open himself up as the as the story progresses and so if he's at already at 10 percent of that now then that's less for him to have to do and so it might not seem it might seem a little bit less mm -hmm, jarring mm -hmm. than if he started even a bit further back because in the game like in the show it's implied like they've been doing all sorts of horrible things they've killed a bunch of people um both you know zombies and uninfected and um you know they're doing all these like dangerous smuggling jobs and they're definitely up to up to no good but we don't really see it as much whereas in the start of the game the first thing you do is like go and hunt down that guy who stole the battery and like shoot him in the head and it's like it's really um quite it paints them quite a, a bit more villainous i suppose or at least a little bit more morally gray than the show's approach which is a bit more like imply instead of really you know force you to go kill a bunch of people immediately <laughs> um so i i think there's a combination of that but also yeah i, I like what they do with Tess, I agree. I think in the game, I felt more like that she was a bit more reserved and then kind of had a change of heart at the end when she got bitten. And then that's when she started pushing Ellie. But I think here in the show, it happens a little bit earlier. Like she starts to build that connection with her while they're walking and they're talking about, um, you know, like what, what happened and during the outbreak. And they're talking about like, you know, what kind of zombies there might be like ellie's 
or um and like just kind of getting a little bit more information and they get they would get a bit closer and Tess seems to kind of believe Ellie's story a little bit more quickly and that there is something special to her um which then obviously still ties into the same ending of like Joel you have to do this like for me for us like you know is the one thing I'm gonna ask of you I've never asked anything of you that of course like is his call to action but um, yeah, I think you, you're right that it starts a little bit earlier and we get a little bit more of a character uh, through line for Tess. Mm-hmm. And, and am I stupid too? Like, obviously, there. I think it's it's uh, implied that there's a bit of romantic tension between the two of them in the, in the TV show, obviously, too. But I'm, I'm like thinking back to the game. Did, did I really pick up on too much of that when I was playing the game? I struggle to remember, and I'm sure it must have been there because I don't think they would just include that for no reason. But again, I feel like it's something I don't remember as strongly, probably because it was only the first section of that first game. But it, I mean, it didn't stick out in comparison to anything you know else that Joel really yeah. encounters. So I feel like it's it's maybe refreshed my memory on that and, and maybe that's kind of part of it as well. Yeah, I think that was definitely part of the game, but again, it was a little bit more subtle. Like we have that moment with them, um, um, like Tess like getting into bed with Joel uh, mm-hmm. in either episode one or two and they have like coffee yeah. in the morning. And so we get just like a little bit, a few more like intimate scenes. Whereas in the show, we don't really see any kind of romantic aspect it's just more like implied but i get the impression in both the show and the game tess is more interested in the relationship and joel has feelings for her and he cares about her but he's like so walled off that he wouldn't even like he he would not refer to her as his partner um well he would but like business partner (laughs) yeah exactly like he wouldn't he would never call it a relationship like you know, maybe more in deed than in word, but he's just so opposed and unable to like open himself up at that point in time. So I think you see that a lot too at the very end where Tess is like, you know, I've never asked anything of you. Like you don't even know, you know, all the troubles I've been through. Like they haven't even talked about their past. Like they're not, they're not intimate. They're close, but they're not intimate. And so then that's Tess is finally like, this is the one thing I'm going to ask of you. Like after all this time, you know, you owe it to me. And uh, it's just such a sad, like Tess almost exists just to to show more of Joel's like mm-hmm. problems and all the like horrible issues he has at the start of the game. And it's just an extra bit of baggage <laughs> that he's got to carry with him. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. It, it's interesting though, too, because, you know, a lot of the motivation of Joel to take Ellie does come from Tess's wish here. And, you know, her being like, you should, take her here because of the, the mm-hmm. cure it's like such a mass monumental thing to help society but at the same time a lot of joel's mm-hmm. motivation is intrinsic and in wanting to redeem the way that he lost sarah at the start of the show mm-hmm. and so i think maybe just because he is so walled off from you know letting himself feel that type of emotion that maybe it really did take both of those motivating factors coming together to really get him to agree to go on this type of journey and really open himself up because I mean, just the the love for Sarah alone and the parallel between her and Ellie, like maybe that wouldn't have done it for him. You never know. Maybe Tess was her death was even more important than, you know, um, important than we think. Yeah, I agree. I genuinely don't think if Tess had died that Joel would have cared to Mm -hmm. continue on with Ellie. Like he would have done it for the job, but he would not have done it for the altruistic reason of like, it's the right thing to do, or I care about this person, or I care about saving anybody's life. 
Like, I think at this point, Joel is like, survive. My own personal survival comes first. And anything that is a detriment to that is like, I'm going to avoid it at all costs. And so I think, you, uh, yeah, if this hadn't happened with Tess or whatever, because even in the game, like later on, if we'll see, and if it's a show, like when we get to Tommy, like his idea is I'm going that way anyway. Um, you know, like I've, I'm doing this job, I'll get you to Tommy and then I'm done. Like I'm not going to participate anymore. And then it takes, you know, the sequence of events that falls for him to finally, finally be like, okay, you know what? I admit I care about Ellie. I'll take her. And then obviously even too, what happens at the end of the game, right? Like there's an argument to me that Joel's still not necessarily a good person. Like he loves Ellie at the end and he commits to that relationship and he's opened himself up and agreed to love again. But he's not necessarily like doing the right thing either. Right. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the I, things like, how do you live in a world like this? And always, is there ever a morally good, an, an entirely morally good answer to a lot of these things, you know, like he still has to sacrifice Ellie to get the cure. It's still one of those, mm -hmm. you can still debate either side. And I think that's what's yeah. so interesting is because it is at the end of the day, such a human story. And I think that's what I like mm -hmm. about it so far through these first two episodes, or like in comparison to a lot of other zombie stuff and what's always made The Last of Us special is it's so much more about the characters than it is about the jump scares of the zombies or the gore or anything like that, even though it does have that stuff as well. Um, and mm -hmm. speaking of jump scares, one thing we haven't touched on yet, which is kind of coming up next in the episode, I guess, is the clickers, Kate. They were so cool. Um, oh, man, seeing it turn around and that that. Uh, when his face kind of comes up to the camera and you have that shot of like exactly its face kind of zoomed in and it's got that slimy sort of look to it and all the different layers of of fungus, I guess, growing on the face. It was disgusting and, and it was done so well. I loved it. Absolutely. I was so incredibly impressed with that scene. Uh, it felt so right out of the video game, but it was so tense. I'm like, you know, I don't expect Joel to die in episode two, but <laughs> no. it's still attention and like the sound is exactly pulled from the game it's perfect the look of them the way that they're moving they are just phenomenal shout that out to the actors that played the clickers yeah Honestly, like, that like must that's... be hard to move your body around in that herky-jerky right kind of way. it's like, so good for you and unnatural and just like oh it just gives you the creeps but that scene where joel's like loading his gun and it was like clicking and you it like zooms in on him you're like oh god no mm -hmm. <laughs> like he turns around and it's right there and yeah just overall fantastic and you got a shout out to like they're, they did a lot of fun things in this scene. Like, it is totally tense and all about the clickers. But you have him and Ellie, like, hiding behind that waist-high cover at one point. Like, they're crouched <laughs> down exactly like you spend time in the game. And they're trying to walk quietly out of the way. It was mm -hmm. just it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it really did. It would have been hilarious if they had been able to throw in a reference of, like, Ellie being inconsiderate or something of the noise level. <laughs> but not really, it not really mattering. Like, that would have been funny. But I think it would have ruined it, so... I mean, maybe that's a bit unrealistic, but I would have, I, one thing I would have loved to see, and we mentioned this too, is I would have loved to see them use like a brick or a bottle or something, something mm -hmm. iconic from the game just to throw and, and make some kind of distraction at one point. Like it just would have been a really uh, cherry on top kind of touch just to see that sort of reference. But I mean, how can you nitpick it? There's so many other things that are just done so well. And, and uh, there are a ton of Easter egg references and stuff like that too. So you can't really complain. Yeah, well, I mean, this was the episode we got the line of Ellie, like, I can't swim. And so, mm, that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I think the brick in the bottle is going to be probably one of those things where at one point, 
one person will use a brick in some way or a bottle and that will be like the cute <laughs> scene but you're right like it is it is a delicate balancing act to get those references in without it feeling like too video gamey or too like unrealistic during the game yeah and you don't um, want the audience to who has never played the game as well which of which i'm sure there's a huge contingent to kind of feel like they're always oh i'm sure that was a reference again like i don't really understand what that's referring to you know if they make it really ham-fisted and i think there's a certain layer to which it needs to be subtle and needs to be not every scene is a reference. So I think spacing it out and doing it very limited in a limited fashion is probably good anyway. So yeah, that's, that's good. You want it to feel totally organic for the people who are watching it for the first time, but recognizable for the people who, who do know what those little sequences are. Um, I think another really good one in this episode is talking through all the rubble, which side point, the settings are fantastic. Every time they go in a building and there's like, you know, like algae filled water and there's moss growing on everything and there's plants that have sprouted from, you know, like the China in a restaurant and every single location they go into is incredibly The Last of Us that I just can't stop like looking at these scenes like just honestly i want to just pause every like five minutes in this show because it is so well done um but the point i was gonna originally make is that they're walking through the destroyed city and they find that little giraffe toy which is Mm -hmm. so cute because it's it's just impactful in, in the sense of like yeah everything's destroyed like probably some kid lived here and that was his house and his giraffe and like what a sad horrible like lost the world has gone through but also it's like oh ellie and giraffes and i hope we get to see one <laughs> mm-hmm. oh there's no way we won't we're definitely seeing a giraffe they're going to the zoo come on we better of see course they're going to the zoo i mean <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that has to happen there obviously mm-hmm. yeah i i agree with you completely and this this show does for all of its you know heavy tones and very heartfelt moments and and the scares you get too like there there is a lot of tension when those the zombies are on screen and whatnot but there's there's just so much levity and those little light moments as well like finding that giraffe and also a quote of the show so far is when uh, you know they're done fighting and everyone's uh kind of recovering and joel's like oh yeah you all right you know is everything okay and ellie's response is well at least i didn't shit my pants and it's just like <laughs> such an ellie like blunt statement to say but it but it just comes at this moment when you're not expecting someone to have a line like that because they just got out of this situation and it it almost that like you as the audience member feel like that you you needed to laugh then you didn't realize it but you did and mm-hmm. i think that this show is so far at least through two episodes done a really good job of interspersing those little moments in between to give the little dynamics between them a little bit more um, lightheartedness in comparison to just all the time being about survival and like being quiet and and you know rations and whatever else they're needing to discuss on the way Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree like this show uh, every episode so far has had a few moments where it's genuinely been really funny um, but it doesn't ever feel like cheap humor or like slapstick stuff or quippy stuff that wouldn't necessarily fit. It's just some really good writing and really well acted and performed. Um, and I think it's safe to say at this point that the cast has really good chemistry with each other. Mm. Like I fully buy and believe all of the interactions that they're having, um, which is fantastic. And Tess is a good part of that too, but like obviously Joel and Ellie are the ones we're looking at. And I have a lot of like high hopes for for what those two actors are going to pull off together. Yeah, same. They, they really feel natural. And and after spending as long as we have with Joel and Ellie in the game series, you know, you you know their relationship so well. And this feels, it is different, but it feels like you buy it 100%. 
and you don't really have that like oh you know it could have been better but it's the last of us so i'll keep watching it it's like this is joel and ellie in the same level of connection as they have in the game in my opinion or at least for where mm-hmm. they are in their story together right now and like what that should look like i think it's exactly mm-hmm. bang on absolutely and it helps that they're kind of you know pulling a lot of stuff directly from the game like we have that moment which is basically like verbatim where they're um at the top of the building and they're gonna cross which of course they use that little like um mm-hmm. slab of plank of wood to get across which is <laughs> 10 out of 10 last of us um but they're looking at the view and Joel's asking Ellie, he's like, oh, you know, is it everything you you dreamt it would be kind of thing about like finally getting outside? Because she's never been out of the QZ before. And she looks at him, she's like, well, jury's still out. And like, it's just kind of like one of their first sort of warm moments that they have together. And it's quickly interrupted by, you know, the necessity to keep moving and Tess is still there. Um, and Ellie, you know, does her little plank walk as she does. But it, it was just like such a touching moment of like, oh, I remember that from the game, but also like, damn, they really nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, I don't know if you had anything else before we get to the finale of the episode here, but it was quite a grand finale. Uh, lots of fireworks, you could say, <laughs> at the end. Um, and we've already touched yeah. on it, I guess, too, with with Tess's death there. But man, like the way that they, uh, the way that they, sim- you know, they contrast it with her inability to, have that relationship with Joel and confess her love. And then the way that she ends up going out is by essentially French kissing a zombie uh, in a very fungus filled, (laughs) uh, fungus filled interaction. Very weird. And uh, you know, not very pleasant, I'm sure for her, but it was a great contrast between like, Oh, she never got it with Joel. And here she is this attractive young zombie (laughs) fellow coming up at the end to seal (laughs) her final moments with a lovely embrace. Um, thank God she got that lighter to the ground in time. Oh, <laughs> I mean, all she needed was a spark from that zombie, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a little different from the game, obviously, because uh, the threat was different. Mm-hmm. In the and- game, she ends up just staying back and fighting them off with a gun, right? It's just implied yeah, that she just so- fought until she couldn't fight anymore. So I think it's not zombies, uh, it's not the infected in the game, I believe it's either some raiders or another faction um, mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. chasing him, right? Maybe I think Robert it's those people? ones, I think it's those people that they walk in and find dead. Because they, they, at one point in this mm-hmm. episode, they walk into a room and they find a bunch of people kind of on the ground and they're like, oh, this one guy turned and, and um, you know, they all decided they needed to kill him and they couldn't decide and they all just ended up dead. I think those were supposed to be the group of people that she had to fight off in the, in the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the case. But in the game, it's a firefight and she kind of, you know, does it's this amounts to the similar kind of thing of like, okay, run, like, I, you know, buy you some time. Um, but I, I actually kind of like this one more. Uh, it's just, you know, the infected are obviously just more interesting than, you know, some factions mm-hmm. of people that they don't get on with. Um, I mean, it works better in the game, right, for saving the zombies for a little bit later. And then there's some pacing aspects to it as well. But I like this change. I think it was fantastic. Um, seeing someone get turned so quickly is another really big like gut punch. Um, because I think in the first episode, we had the timing of like, you know, your leg takes like 24 hours, your arm takes like a couple hours, and your head is like almost mm-hmm. instant. So he's a bit kind of on the shoulder area. And so that is like a fast turn. And you can see her by the end, like hands shaking. She can't light the lighter. Like she is, you know, panicking at a loss for time and that change and how fast it happens is 
horrifying. Like that might be one of the worst parts of it, right? Like, or maybe it's better to go quickly. I don't know, but it's probably better to um, go quickly. Yeah, yeah, but it is but horrifying. You really, like you're really done for. Like there is no hope or no other option at that point. Um, and her sacrifices, yeah, it's just it's so emotional. It's so chilling, and it just sets up the whole rest of the story from here on out. Hundred percent, a story which we'll be talking about right here in this playlist <laughs> as we continue to watch the episodes every single week. Um, I think that's all I have to mention about this episode. I liked it a lot. I would say the first one was probably more exciting. I think this was maybe a little bit more of a setup episode, even though obviously a ton of stuff happened and we got to see clickers and we, you know, obviously the test death at the end there. But um, I'm really excited to see where the series goes. Obviously, it's been fantastic after two episodes. Um, that's where I'm going to leave it for now from me. Anything less left from you before we uh, finish this one off? No. I think I think you summed it up. The only thing I can say is uh, next episode, we're going to meet Bill and Frank. Mm-hmm. And emphasis on the and Frank. <laughs> not and Frank, uh, everybody. And Frank. Not and Frank. Can you imagine if she was in the show? Well, that, that really just weird. wouldn't be even close to canon. Um, no, that doesn't quite work. Uh, we're going to change a few things, but maybe not that far. <laughs> uh, yeah, episode three definitely uh, is going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, well, until next time, everybody, this has been Cloud Control, the gaming podcast and sometimes TV review podcast. Uh, That's not just good, it's good enough. And we'll see you on the next episode.